Moncrief with Energlaze on News Talk. Did you invite somebody else? Hello. Is this where the party's at? Hi. Hi. It's so exciting to finally meet the gang. Can I get some hugs? Well, first, first thing, I'm gonna hug Fred. Hey, babe. Just had a long drive. I'm gonna go freshen up and then you can deal me in. Babe, do you want me to come up there with you and help you get settled? No, 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 babe, you stay here. You should? I'll just be a few minutes. All right. Joel, still your turn. Um, babe, babe. Who was that? Who was that? Susan, my fiance. Excuse me? What? What? What, I never mentioned her? Uh, I don't believe so. You you guys never listen to me anyway, that's why. Oh my god. This is so mysterious. I mean, congratulations, but are you gonna fill us in? Yeah, after you take your turn. Oh. Okay. We're just gonna play cards like that didn't happen? Oh my god, full house. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) off. That's Somebody Somewhere, uh, season one and two are on Sky Atlantic and Now TV. James Dempsey joins us uh, once again. I'm delighted to hear that this is back. Um, oh, you liked it. I only, well, I only <laughs> saw the first season, but it was absolutely delightful. Um, it is definitely delightful and also at times really sad. Right? Yeah. It is one of these comedies that really is 100% not a comedy. Like it is more a kind of slice of life drama with lots of fun, you know, very funny moments in it. But I mean, the story centres around um, Bridget Everett, who is a stand-up comedian, a very successful stand-up comedian um, on that side of the pond, I guess. She she um, often opens for Amy Schumer. And, oh. and Amy Schumer says sometimes she wishes she'd let her close for her instead because she does <laughs> such a good job that she almost yeah. outstages her. And she's a very um, well-known American cabaret performer as well. And she has, I mean, you can see YouTube videos of her, yeah. of her yeah. singing. And she does this very bawdy, risque performance uh, on stage. And in this show, she plays Sam. And she's much more kind of internalised person, right? So she's returned to her hometown. It is semi autobiographical of of Bridget Everett's life but only in a very um uh, location <laughs> way yeah. so it's it's set in her hometown which is Manhattan Kansas and in the opening in the in the first season she has moved back home to care for her ailing sister who was terminally terminally ill but who has already passed away by the time we meet her mm. and she just is having this kind of midlife crisis and not really understanding what to do with her life and she befriends this guy named Joel who's played by Jeff Hiller who is a kind of an improv comedian as well in the US. Um, he has popped up in many, many, many things, but I still wouldn't necessarily say he's a face that you would recognise, but he's one you won't forget. It's <laughs> kind of how I would put it. Yes, he's a brilliant face. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah. But basically, um, uh, he, when he, he was in high school with her and he sort of meets her in the very first episode and goes, oh, remember when you used to sing in the kind of choir? And he encouraged her to come along to choir practice, which is this night he's running, essentially, mm. in the town. And on this the sly, is, in on, the church. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, it's where... I guess uh, the um, uh, you know a, a, a rich tapestry of the local population comes, mm. and they sort of do a bit of kind of karaoke or performing or whatever they want. And he encourages her to sing, and uh, he accompanies her in the first episode. And basically, that's kind of the whole thing, right? Yeah. So from from then, it spins out about just her kind of coming to terms with her grief and her. 
uh, finding her footing again in her family. She has this um, terrible sister who runs a local like knickknack shop that's called Tender Mercies, which is actually an, a, a nod to Bridget Everett's band. She's Bridget Everett and the Tender Mercies, right? So um, her sister is actually played by uh, played by a woman named Mary Catherine Garrison who is a kind of, again, another bit player in lots of things you'll have seen her in before. But they lived together for New York, uh, in New York for eight years, uh, you know, as as roommates. And uh-huh. they do have this very, <laughs> very natural sisterly bond where they clearly love each other, but uh, they don't like each other. Yeah, right? they can have a fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and her sister is this quite conservative, uptight uh, woman. And, and Sam is increasingly befriending you know, the kind of more queer collective of this small Kansas town, right? Because that's what you get in Joel, this friend, she bef- she, this guy she befriends. He is a very interesting character because he um, he's not like just the sassy gay best friend, right? Because he's not really sassy. I mean, and he definitely, while is definitely gay, he's, he's not like spouting these one-liners and, you know, um, snapping his fingers and any mm. other kind of stereotypical thing. Did that, well, actually, that, on that point, James, that... that does anyone ever use the word gay or lesbian or queer? Because I don't know if they, anyone does. I mean, it's obvious. Yeah, it is but, obvious. But, but, but it's almost like they're saying it's about more than just that. I think... You know I, what I mean? It's being kind of slightly different to everyone else. Uh, yes. I, I, what's interesting about the show is it, like, it is painting small town America, right? But actually, it's this very nice place, yeah, right? Yeah. Where even the people who are on the margins or the societal fringes—I mean, they do make an illusion, definitely. I think in in one of the opening episodes, Sam says to her sister uh, Trisha, "You know, Joel is gay, and uh, how can you like? How can you be kind of because because uh, she's a little bit more right wing mm. uh, Christian type, prim and proper?" And she says, "You know, love the uh, don't love the sin, but love the sinner, or something." So yeah. it's definitely not that it's skirted around. No. I mean, there's yeah. even like there's a there's a trans character uh, called Fred Rococo yes. <laughs> played by Murray Hill, <laughs> brilliant, yeah. who is who is a soil scientist who comes in and works with um, Sam's father, who is like a, a corn farmer. He's uh, played by the late actor Mike Haggerty, who actually passed away between the first and second season. So it's just what's very intriguing about it, the show is it it puts. You know, it's it's a show about um, relationships, but specifically about friendships. Really, mm. really, the whole kind of driving force is this friendship between Sam and Joel. And while they they do have romantic dalliances with other people, you know, in the first season, Joel is with someone, in the second season, he has a very obvious love interest. Um, it's not about romance; it's about sort of the sustenance and the kind of. Uh, uplifting qualities of finding a friend who is like in some ways your soulmate, right? Mm. Maybe it's not a you know it's not a physical attraction, it's not a romantic attraction, but it is still a very nourishing and completing relationship to have Joel in her life and for Joel to have her in his life. And there's a you know in the second season we've moved things on a little bit. Um, the you know although I said earlier that like this is a lot of tragedy and there is a lot of sad bits in it like I won't deny right like I mean the first season is really all about grief the second season is more about is more funny in general across the board and I'm happy to say they have greenlit a, a third season already but like if you're coming for laughter track comedy you know that's yeah, not what, that's yeah, what you're getting yeah. here but it, it's, it's definitely heartwarming though, it is yeah. absolutely heartwarming without being sentimental. Mm. And also, while it is sad, it's not hopeless, right? Yeah. It's all about how difficult it can be to know who you are at any point in your life, but how that can be even harder when you're in your 40s and yeah. you don't have any friends. 
And like making friends is a tricky thing to do as an adult because often you've already made your friends by then. Yeah. And not there aren't that many shows that I can ream off the top of my head that are about, you know, making a friend as a 40-something in Kansas, right? <laughs> and this is the best one of them, yeah. right? <laughs> if you're looking for a show about... Yeah. <laughs> so, so, sorry, yeah, to, to, because like it, the first season was kind of about her finding her tribe mm. and the second season, what's the story? The tribe is more established. So, you know, they've had to do a few kind of tricky things. So in the first season, um, there's a lot of interplay between Sam and her mother and father and her mother is an alcoholic and her father is a very nice uh, Midwestern man who's just sort of putting up with it and he's a farmer and as I said, Mike Haggerty, who is definitely a face you would recognise. He was a bit player in many, many, yeah, many, yeah. many things. He passed away um, and they have sort of written him off screen that he's off visiting someone and I, they probably will address it in season three because I mean ah, season right. one is about grief okay. so it's hard to make season two about grief as well right uh, so where we find it this time is they've they've really actually bumped up Trisha the sister into a more central role here in the first season she had a subplot involving this shop she was running mm. and her co-worker and, and uh, her husband and her husband <laughs> and a love triangle therein that was actually really really funny in the in, in how it is all you know how it, how it all falls down and the scene where she seeks them out in a motel is absolutely <laughs> classic stuff in this season uh, she's a, a bit more adrift because her shop is shut down and now she doesn't know what to do with her life so she's kind of trying to figure out what she wants to do while also being angry and uh, full of fury and rage and a, a uptight midwestern woman right. whose who's best friend is now her sister who she doesn't really like yeah. and his uh, his Christian gay pal or her Christian gay pal I should say uh, who is you know, uh, also a kind of an enigma in the show. It also relies an awful lot about, you know, on Bridget Everett's role as a singer. I mean, every episode she is singing. This time around, she has a specific thing she has to sing for and has been asked to sing a specific song. So she reconnects with a vocal coach that she had as a teenager. And there's a lot of episodes about them working on her, developing her voice and talking about her feelings and, you know, uh, there are tears, of course. But mm. when the laughs come <laughs> and there's a, I mean, some of them are quite slapsticky, actually, even in their own way. I mean, there's <laughs> there's a very, very, very funny moment in the, I think, the second or third episode where they eat something that does not sit well with them. And Joel and Sam have this... <laughs> Okay, yeah. Ridiculous moment. I'm going to shut you yeah, up, Jake. Fair enough. spoiler <laughs> territory yeah, yeah, there, true, but true, I, true. I can't wait to see. Uh, I can't wait to see season two. Right, we'll move on to our uh, second uh, show. It's Hijack. New episodes every Wednesday on Apple TV Plus. Here's a clip. What exactly does your dad do for a living? It's difficult to explain. He gets bought in by big companies. There's a merger or takeover. It doesn't matter where. They bring Sam in at the end of the process because when it all kicks off. Sam's the best at handling it. Handling what? The negotiation. Now, now listen to me, all right? There are like some 200 people on this flight, and most of them will do exactly as you say. That's right. But let's face it, there are some who will kick off and cause you problems. Sit down. No, no. Let me just tell you where I'm at, okay? Let me tell you where I'm at with this, all right? I don't care about any of those people. I just want to get home to my family. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you. Right, so Idris Elba 
yeah. is back doing a kind of an action-y role again. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Idris Elba is like he, you know, he broke through uh, in The Wire uh, mm. in this really brilliant, pivotal role in that show where everyone was like, you're not American, <laughs> you know, yeah. right? And like, I don't think he's ever quite lived up to the promise of that, yeah. of yeah. that like two-season run or however long he's in it, right? Stringer Bell. And... Um, you know, since then he's gone on. You know, there, well, there's a lot of people who like the the uh, Luther. I think is the show he made with the BBC. I I'm never too taken with it, and I had pretty pretty low hopes for this. This is kind of like. 24 in the sky, right? Okay. So he plays a guy, actually we have another Sam, right? So he, as we heard in the clip there, he's this high-powered business negotiator and he's sitting in first class on this flight from Dubai to London when it is hijacked by um, hijackers. They are not terrorists and the show goes to great lengths to sort of be like, it's, you know, it's it's we've moved on from sort of <laughs> okay. painting all that, right? Oh, yeah. This is all oh, about yeah. the money and not yeah. about anything and fundamental, right? And uh, he decides, as we heard in the clip, that his surest route to surviving this is to use his negotiating skills to kind of put everyone at, make sure everyone lands safely, right? And I had, you know, I wasn't expecting much, but in fairness, it does come with a bit of pedigree, right? So the guy who who wrote it, his name is George Kay. He wrote uh, Lupin, which is a hugely successful Mm. show on Netflix. Uh, He wrote the first season of Killing Eve, which I think a lot of people will say is the best season of Killing Eve. And he made a show on on Netflix as well called Criminal, which was made in four different countries. A bit of a gimmicky thing, but it was okay. And he so he knows how to write kind of... Uh, thrilling dialogue and obviously a plane is a very thrilling setting to have a hijack go on right because I mean there's always the peril of something going wrong it's a very perfectly self-contained thing with 200 people sitting in it so the the script very deftly makes use of all of the other supporting players you know you've got the pilot the co-pilot the cabin crew various different people sitting in different sections of the plane, the hijackers, etc. Then it also involves a lot of people back on Earth as well, right back on land, I should say. Um, You know, you have air traffic control in Dubai, in London. You have police, you've got family members, etc., etc. And it all is very entertaining in a kind of schlocky, fun, thriller way, right? Is this, um, you know, is this going to uh, reach the emotional heights of somebody somewhere? No, yeah. right? But that's not what it's going to do. The whole point is, this is a thriller where, you know, it's a seven-hour flight from Dubai to um, to London. It's all taking place in real time as we're watching it. Uh, you know, there are red herrings introduced. There's tension built, then that breaks. More tension gets built, then that breaks. I've only seen two episodes, but like I could see this being a very fun, enjoyable romp, okay. thriller okay. thing, and it, it executes exactly what it needs to. Yeah, and it, because Idris Elba is some sort of hotshot business negotiator, does then he turn into a we're not terrorist negotiator? I, that's exactly where it's going. Now, yeah. I think the peril will be if this is hugely successful that they decide to put him on a bigger plane, <laughs> you know, with a bigger <laughs> group of Again? terrorists. You know, right? <laughs> this should probably just be a nice one and done for Apple and enjoy, you know, a rare critical win. Okay, right. Uh, the final show is I'm a Virgo. Uh, you can stream all of season one now on Amazon Prime Video. Here's a clip. Power is something exercise that's put into action. Cool, cool. Yep. Power exists only when it's put into action. It sounds pretty, but useless for actual organizing. Okay, hey, we got we got to cut, y'all. We have to leave now. Just hit the sideshow with us. Yeah. I don't know. My my mother, she says people get hey, crazy. Hey, the whole up, up. hood love you. They already got your t-shirts on. For real. 
<laughs> the world is not ready yet. I don't want nobody to see you, bitch. Because if they see you, they're going to try to get the people in. Gotta wait till your 21st birthday. From that day forward, I knew nothing would stop me from achieving greatness. Well, I'm a Virgo. And Virgos love adventure. Facts. <laughs> right, yeah, there's, there's a... There's a movie and my daughter has watched a few times called Tall Girl, which sounds kind of similar to this, where now it's 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 kids in high school, yeah. but like she's quite tall. Yeah, and, I'm and, familiar with it. Yeah. I think it even got a sequel, in fairness to yeah. Tall Girl. Um, this is, uh, well, no, this is not the same, although it does involve a very tall person. Yeah, right? okay. So this comes from Boots Riley, who is an American multi-hyphenate. Uh, he is best known for the movie Sorry to Bother You with Lakeith Stanfield, I think in 2018, which is about this uh, African American who ends up working in a call centre and he's doing really badly till he's told use your white voice right. yeah. and it was this very offbeat weird funny lo-fi movie shot on like a three million dollar budget that was critically lauded and uh, and uh, certainly connected him to Amazon and Amazon gave him an extra 50 million I think the budget was 53 million dollars to make this which is a seven part story about Cootie Cootie is a 13-foot-tall man, right? Okay. Uh, 19-year-old, uh, played by Jarell Jerome, who people will know from Moonlight, and um, he won an Emmy for When They See Us about the Central Park Five that was on Netflix, David oh, Duvernay yeah. show yeah. a couple of years ago. And he's five foot eight in real life. <laughs> and they have elevated him to uh, 13, fo- 13 feet uh, of height, by purely practical effects. And that's actually one of the real charming things about this, right? So he is born and raised by his aunt and uncle. Uh, they hide him from society because they're so worried. You know, they have this scrapbook of all these like vintage headlines of people, you know, of, of giants of the past being, you know, put on display. Uh, yeah. Persecuted. And they hide him until, you know, I guess he just gets tired of hiding and he gets, he actually gets found by this group of political activists in Oakland, California and goes out and begins to experience life and across the seven episodes you know this is uh, you know Boots Riley I mean in his previous movie that's a show that you know is asking a lot of questions about race and that is again what we're getting here so in addition to this kind of very strange weird show I mean it is weird like this is unusually odd but daft and funny stuff you also get very heavy uh, questions about race relations and the economic system. Uh, Boots Riley is also uh, like a, a community activist uh, in his own right. So there's a lot of questions about the role of capitalism in America, the role of privatized healthcare, how, uh, you know, incarceration, all these kinds of things. Meanwhile, you have like this giant this giant 13 yeah. foot giant in an 11 minute long sex scene with his first girlfriend right and it's like really weird and the whole thing is shot through force perspective which is you know where yeah. I mean uh, like obviously I don't know what it is but it's, it's how they make people look things, yeah, yeah right how yeah. they make people look big and small and puppetry there's very very little use of CGI I mean there's a little bit here and there and you you can see it where it comes along but the rest is all supposed to be this kind of silly lo-fi, funny-looking weirdness. And it took me a while to get used to it. I'm not going to lie. Right? Yeah. The first episode, I was like, what on earth is this? I just, I'm not quite getting it. I'm more than halfway through the season now and I like it. It's strange. It is, It you just kind of can't take your eyes off it after a while because it's just so odd and strange. And then when it, put, when it, when it hits you with these kind of little 
political punches, it absolutely stacks them in such a way that like it really kind of takes your breath away at times. It's a very, very, very odd show. And if, is Amazon the home for it? <laughs> I don't actually uh, know. Yeah. But it is certainly an intriguing watch and the most unique thing I've seen on a streamer this year. Okay, fair enough. Those three shows were uh, Somebody Somewhere, uh, season one and two are available on Sky Atlantic and Now TV. Hijack new episodes every Wednesday on Apple TV Plus and I'm a Virgo. You can stream all of season one now on Amazon Prime Video. James Dempsey, thanks a million. Thank you. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm with Anna Glaze on News Talk.